Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Welcome to the Future edition, as I discuss some of the Bengals' biggest offseason questions with Sam Monson, lead NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus. But first, I'll talk to a player who says he did not play up to his own expectations this season, linebacker Jermaine Pratt. And we'll wrap things up with a crazy NFL weather edition of Storytime with Dan. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing, wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the Bengals Bar and Kitchen at the airport. There are seven new dining and beverage options coming to the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport, including the Bengals Bar and Kitchen, which is being described as a sports bar which pays tribute to the city's NFL franchise. What a great idea. According to the CVG website, the airport welcomed more than 7.6 million passengers in 2022, and now many of them will be reminded that Cincinnati is one of only 30 cities in the country that has an NFL team. According to an airport press release, it's expected to open in the coming months. Now, let's get to my first guest. According to Pro Football Focus, Jermaine Pratt was one of the best linebackers in the NFL two years ago. PFF graded Jermaine eighth overall among linebackers and number one in pass coverage. That was the final year of Pratt's rookie contract, and he earned a three-year extension for $20.25 million. Here was defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo after the Bengals re-signed Jermaine. I mean, Jermaine's, you know, since his rookie year, he's always taken a step forward every year. Um, you know, if he doesn't come away with a turnover each game, he's, he's you know, upset so am I but um but he's he's on everything he's a strong tackler always around the ball you know so love him Jermaine certainly had stellar moments this year his red zone interception at San Francisco thwarted a potential game tying drive and he forced a fumble in the fourth quarter of the Buffalo game that helped seal that win but by his own admission Pratt wasn't as consistent as the year before and his pro football focus grade reflected that, dropping to number 57 among linebackers. I talked to Jermaine about it at the end of the season. I can't look back and see what I did and, like, look back and say I did well. I played okay so far. You know, I got to play elite for us to be great on defense. You don't sound like you were happy with your own play this year. Nah, I say sometimes I made good plays, but I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't consistent enough to help us win games. You know, I, I win some. I help us win games late with like a big turnover and stuff. But I need to be consistent within. You know, helping younger guys be more impactful. You know, it was. It probably was harder. I say because I didn't have the, the guys around me that make my job more easier. You know, then you got young guys that trying to fill in. You know, sometimes you be out there thinking you still playing with veteran guys, but you're playing with rookies. So it is getting better each and every year. It's hard for me to analyze why the run defense hasn't been as good. you got most of the same guys back. What do you think have been the biggest issues for why that 
that portion of the defense just hasn't been quite as good. It's 11 men. You know, everybody got to do that 111. You know, it's like we have a supposed to run every game, one or two a game, and then they'd be like big. So, you know, that, that that's a hit. But we got to figure out ways to stop it. We might have to get beef up front or or I just got to play better. Big plays in general, right? Passing and running have been a major issue this year. Yes, you know that's that's we. I think we lead the NFL in um, most explosive plays. You know that's something I ain't accustomed to seeing. You know, that's that's everybody. You know, everybody got to do their job better. You know, everybody got to look at themselves in the mirror and get better. You had a, I guess, about a five-game stretch where Joe was fully healthy, beat the 49ers, beat the Bills, looked like the team that you guys probably expected to be. Do you feel like that's the team you're going to be next year when he's healthy again? Uh, I don't know. You know, every year there'll be a new team, new challenges we may face. But I know next year we got to start faster. I, I mean, we said it each and every week. It's, it's the start fast. If we get, if we win some games early in the in the season, get rolling fast. We got to figure out where to start fast. I don't know. Maybe like we be having a long playoff run, and we trying to itch our way back into the season. So, I think it'll be this offseason. It'll be huge for a lot of guys. You know, guys are coming off injury. So you know, when you got a guy that's off injury, he get to focus more on himself and become more dangerous. As we seen Joe did, he come more dangerous and led us to the Super Bowl. You know, guys get back, get back right, and then guys look at themselves as individuals. How can you get better? How can you impact the team? How can you grow from this year to last, um, next year to be better? So as one of the veteran leaders on this team, that's going to be your message at the beginning of next year. We've got to start faster. Yeah, that's going to be everybody's mindset. You know, we can't keep on dropping early games. You know, that's, that's costing us, I say, because we're trying to fight and crawl. Later in the season, you know, later in the season last year, we was winning games. Like we was undefeated, rolling into the playoffs. This game, we were trying to play catch-up. You know, everybody are playing meaningful games at the end of the year, but we got to jump out. I feel like we got to start faster. Jermaine is 27 years old and has been Mr. Reliable in Cincinnati, only missing one game due to injury in five NFL seasons. He helped force the fumble in the jungle in the 2022 playoffs and picked off Derek Carr at the two-yard line with 12 seconds to go in the 2021 wildcard round to clinch Cincinnati's first playoff win in 31 years. Nine yards of real estate will determine this playoff game. Fourth down and goal from the nine. 17 seconds to go. The play clock at three. Shotgun snap. Carr throws nice. into traffic. Nice. Intercepted. Nice. Nice. Jermaine Pratt Woo, has baby. the football. Yeah. Coffin nails. Bam, bam, bam. How about that? It ends on a turnover. Unbelievable. <laughs> the cardiac kids take it to the last snap. What a play by Jermaine Pratt, oh, extending baby. the arms to intercept that throw by Derek Carr and win the game for Cincinnati. And 12 seconds left. The Bengals have to snap it one time, and the drought is over. He's earned the nickname Playoff P, and I think he's a strong bet to bounce back with a better season in 2024. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. 
Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, time for an in-depth look at some of the key issues facing the Bengals this offseason. My guest is Sam Monson, lead analyst for Pro Football Focus. Sam, one of your PFF colleagues wrote this week that the Bengals will undoubtedly be back in contention with a healthy Joe Burrow. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, Joe Burrow, I think, has already shown himself to be one of those quarterbacks that's good enough that assuming he's healthy, he's going to put you in contention every single year. You know, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, those teams are always going to be in contention as long as they have quarterbacks that good. Um, another teams will come and go, but I think that's an incredible starting point. So, yeah, I think a lot of the season's problems were sourced with Joe Burrow's injuries, uh, even though Jake Browning played very well in his stead. Let me follow up on Jake Browning, because I suppose that's one of the positives from this season. The Bengals learned that they have a competent backup quarterback in Jake and they control his rights for two more years. How good was he? in your opinion, and should the Bengals consider trying to get something in exchange, or do you need to have a guy like that, especially when Joe's had some injury problems? I think he was really good. Outside of playing Pittsburgh, <laughs> Jake Browning was fantastic <laughs> this year. It was weird. Like, his two worst games by a distance came against the Steelers, and pretty much every other game, I think he played really well. The, some of his performances felt a little bit sort of unsustainable. I don't want to say lucky, but they were more you know, let's put the ball up and see if a receiver makes a play. And they did quite a lot of, of the time because, you know, the Bengals have really good wide receivers, but that's always a little bit of a precarious style of play to, to replicate week after week after week. Sometimes those balls are not going to go your way and you're not going to get the payoff from them. But overall, I mean, he showed he could run the offense. He showed he could make good decisions. He showed he could be accurate with the ball and maybe wrote his luck a little bit at times during the season. But I agree, showed that he is immediately one of the better backups in the NFL. And I think this year of all years showed, not just from the Bengals' point of view, but league-wide, the value in having a good backup quarterback. You know, so many teams had to turn to their backups this year. And if you need a guy to win you, you know, three or four games in a season, Jake Browning just showed that he's capable of doing that. So I would be inclined to say the value of that exceeds the value of anything you can get for him in, in a trade. So keep him around. So Pro Football Focus has come out with a ranking of the top 100 free agents. And T. Higgins is high on the list at number four. Most of us, or many of us, myself included, think that the Bengals are likely to franchise tag him for roughly 21 million bucks to keep the band together, so to speak, for at least another year. Is that what they should do? I think the decision should be between that and getting a long-term deal with him sorted out, you know, try and keep him around long-term as part of the whole thing. Um, but it's felt like for a while they were going to go the sort of Jesse Bates route with T Higgins and play him throughout that rookie deal, franchise tag him and for a, you know, a step up in, in cost and then move on when it's time to really commit big money to him and instead go in a different direction. I don't think it's necessarily a bad decision a bad approach you know you get one more year of t higgins and then theoretically you've had a chance to um, come up with the backup solution and cincinnati is good generally i think at for planning these things and having a ready-made backup there to step into the bigger role but it's always a risk you know that the Bengals had dax hill this year to step into the role left by jesse bates and it didn't quite go that way it didn't quite work the way you wanted it to you, you might have the best laid plan but it doesn't mean that that guy is going to be able to step into that role 
you know, this year, I imagine maybe they'll draft somebody as well. But, you know, the Andre Yoshivas looks like a receiver that could potentially become, you know, step into that number two role in a year's time. But it's projection at this point. That might be the the plan. That might be what you want to happen. But you're really not going to know whether it's going to work or not until at the end, you know, 2025, when you actually make that uh, switch and then hope, fingers crossed, that it's going to have the, the the results you expected it to. So I, I definitely think it's it's a sensible plan. It's one that makes sense, but it is a risk anytime you're going to an unknown quantity versus someone that you know is good in this offense. Sam Monson is our guest, lead analyst for Pro Football Focus. Four other Bengals free agents made that PFF Top 100. DJ Reader, 19th. Chidabe Awuje, 26th. Jonah Williams, 54th. And Tyler Boyd, 74th. Who should they keep? I think they should try and keep DJ Reader. Um, he would be the, the first name on that list that I would try and bring back. He's so important to what they do. He's the most difficult skill set, I think, to replace as well. Like you, you can't find DJ Readers just out there on the open market. Um, he's incredibly good against the run. He brings enough as a pass rusher. He can impact that side of the game as well. And, and they really miss him when he's not in that defensive lineup. So I think he's the first guy I would I would try and bring back. Awuzie, I think, is is a player that they would like to have back, but it, it kind of depends on the cost. And I think that's one that maybe you can you can replace easier. Um, I think Jonah Williams, the the move to right tackle didn't really work out for him. He didn't bounce back to the level that he'd been at before last year, which was the worst year of his career. It was more in line with that, just on the other side of the line. So I think they'll be looking to move on from him anyway, regardless of the cost, regardless of whether they need to give him a big extra deal. And then Tyler Boyd kind of depends on the cost. You know, I think they would like to have him back, but it also feels like a player that would be the easiest to try and replace and, and have somebody step into that role and do what Tyler Boyd did for them, or at least an approximation of it. Again, they might already have that guy on the roster. You know, maybe it's not uh, Yosivas this time. Maybe it's Charlie Jones that can become their primary slot receiver and, and take those targets. So, you know, if, if, Tyler Boyd, if the market isn't strong or if he's willing to come back on a cheap deal, maybe they'd be interested. But otherwise, I think they they would be looking to move in a different direction. Sam, is there a pending free agent on another NFL roster that you think makes sense for Cincinnati? It's a weird year for uh, free agency this year. It's not the strongest class in the world. There's some guys that, at the, the top end, uh, I think, that make a lot of sense. But you're going to have to bring big money to the table. I mean, if a guy like DJ reader does make it out of the door and you're looking to try and replace that Christian Wilkins from the Miami dolphins is potentially available. If, if he hits the open market, that is one of the few guys I think that does kind of replicate what uh, DJ reader brings to the table. Really good against the run enough about him as a pass rusher to be a factor there as well. You know, uh, Justin Matabuike, I imagine it's going to make a ton of money given the season he just had for the Ravens. But if they were able to steal him away from a division rival, that would be absolutely spectacular. And then I think there will be a few cornerbacks available in, in free agency as well, whether it's Legereus Sneed, I imagine the Chiefs will lock him up and not let him hit the, mo the market. The Bears, Jalen Johnson, similar kind of thing. I imagine they'll franchise tag him. I can't see him hitting the market either. But there will be, I, th I think, some intriguing players available um, that they could dip into. If Jonah Williams leaves as a free agent, there's going to be an obvious needed right tackle. How's that pool in free agency and or the draft? 
It's not good in free agency. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's a better year in the draft. And absolutely, I think that would be a live uh, situation for them. One name I think that is interesting, though, in free agency is Michael Owenu uh, from the New England Patriots. He's had a weird career where they bounced him around the line an awful lot, whether it's left guard or whether it's the either guard position or right tackle. I think his best position has been right tackle. And basically, anytime he's played, he's he's played extremely well. Really good PFF grades, really good performance. They've never seemed to quite buy into him 100%, and he's now scheduled to hit free agency. So, you know, it's not like they've been proactive and bringing him back and keeping him as part of the, the, the future there. And I wonder what his sort of league-wide um, standing is, whether he's underrated by everybody and he's a guy that could be had for relatively low money or if for some reason the patriots just didn't value him as much as maybe the play suggests they should have and actually he'll have a strong market in free agency given the relative lack of players at that position but if michael owenu you know was available for not a huge amount of money i think that would be a huge upgrade at that spot we're chatting with Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. Let's talk Bengals running backs. When you look at Joe Mixon's numbers for the year, he had more than 1,400 all-purpose yards. He scored 12 touchdowns. Uh, Chase Brown added explosiveness once he started to play for the latter end of the season. Are they good with that duo going forward, or do they need to add something at that position? Um, I mean, I think it's a good duo going forward, and I think it, it, they're they're a pair that complement each other well. Um, it's not like Joe Mixon is reaching the age where you're particularly concerned about running backs as well. He's still only 27 years old. Okay, there's quite a lot of um, mileage on the clock for him. I, I think it's a position where you know you should always have an eye on the draft, right? And, and just bring in a young player and see if that guy is going to bring you something that may be unexpected or maybe simply just with the benefit of being a young player when generally speaking, I think running backs at this point, the first contract is the best play you're going to get from them. So I, I think they're fine if that's the, the two they end up rolling with primarily next season, but I would absolutely draft somebody and, and see what you can find or unearth. And maybe you're, you're in a position where you can move on from Joe Mixon and get cheaper and not suffer any kind of drop off at that, at that uh, spot. Sam, I think we'd all agree that the Bengals' defense was disappointing this year. The question is, why? Was it largely the result of having youth in the secondary? Did veterans at other positions underperform? What do you think were the, the biggest contributing factors to that disappointing performance? Yeah, I think it was a bit of everything. Um, you know, we said before they had this contingency plan of moving on from Jesse Bates, going to a, a designed successor, an heir apparent. Um, I don't know that they planned on losing both safeties at the same time. I think that was a bit of a surprise to them, and that sort of upset the apple cart a bit. Now we don't just have to rely on one new guy back there. we got to do it with two. Um, injuries also obviously played in as well. And suddenly you just got the secondary that is not used to playing with each other that isn't on the same page consistently. Um, and really the the front four as well. I mean, Trey Hendrickson had a great year, uh, incredible pass rusher, had a ton of pressure, a ton of sacks, but they didn't have that consistent complementary piece to, to him, particularly on the other side. They weren't able to get, you know, a ton of pressure outside of Hendrickson. Um, I think that impacted everybody behind him. Anytime you can get a ton of pressure, it, it's going to negate some of the deficiencies on the back end, and the Bengals weren't really able to do that. PFF's highest-graded defensive player on the Bengals roster was a rookie, safety Jordan Battle, who once he started playing really helped solidify that position. 
did the Bengals strike it rich with that third round draft pick? Yeah, he looked absolutely fantastic. He's one of those guys that um, you know had <laughs> had really good tape, but didn't necessarily uh, test off the charts, and was just sort of good at everything. You know, didn't necessarily stand out. Didn't look like. Uh, an incredible athlete didn't get pushed up draft boards because you you get um, enamored by the potential of what he could do and all the crazy things. He was just a really good player in all facets of the game, coming out of a good program. You know that asks quite a lot of those defensive backs. But I think players like that tend to fly under the radar sometimes when you get distracted by shiny objects and guys that run in the four threes and things like that. But I think he showed that he can step into an NFL defense and do exactly the same job as he could. Uh, in the SEC against top-level competition. Sam, when you add up the production of the Bengals' four tight ends, you get 88 catches for 686 yards. That's 7.8 per catch and four touchdowns. Should the Bengals have upgrading tight end uh, near the top of their list of priorities, or is that enough production? I mean, I think they would like to. I think it's a it's a position that you're seeing the value of and the impact that can come from the tight end position if you have a good one, if you have a quality receiver at that spot. Look what the Bills did last season by going to get Dalton Kincaid in the first round, even though they'd already given you know a significant contract to a guy like Dawson Knox. I think you're also seeing a a, a growth uh, in the proliferation of two tight end sets in the NFL. It's not something Cincinnati does an awful lot of, but maybe this would give them the ability to go in that direction a bit more or at least give them some more options when it comes to personnel grouping. So, yeah, I, I think that's an area that they've, I don't want to say they've scrimped on, um, but they haven't hit on a guy in recent years at that spot to be able to come in and make the difference. They've rolled the dice a few times on sort of former big talents, first-round picks, guys that have a, a pedigree but haven't worked out so far in the NFL, and they haven't, been able to recapture that they haven't been able to find the the ability the talent that that got those guys drafted high up um obviously the injuries were a big part of that but it might be time to just go and get your own sort of high draft pick at the tight end position and see if you can uh strike it rich that way what about offensive tweaks whether it is more two tight end sets whether it's more under center runs whether it's more play action do you think that there's something along those lines that the Bengals really need to seriously consider in 2024 I think there is something to being more versatile and more multiple when it comes to personnel groupings and the way you deploy um you know the 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 group that you have the, the Bengals have tended to skew on the other side of that which is we run basically the same personnel and we just out execute you and I, you know there's it's absolutely a valid way of thinking but i think generally speaking it is easier to cause problems for defense if you can mess with the personnel and you can change things up and give them different looks on a consistent basis as opposed to they're going to have a pretty good idea how you're going to line up before you even get on the field and you just have to execute better than they do. I think you just gain so much more by introducing that element of doubt and causing them problems before the snap, as opposed to letting them be the ones that are proactive with misdirection and um, you know disguise and rotating safeties and changing the look pre and post snap and those kinds of things. I think when you see all the offenses that are really starting to take over the NFL right now, it is ones that are much more diverse and multiple when it comes to those things. Sam, the Bengals went one in five in the AFC North. Their only win was over Cleveland when the Browns basically rested everybody in the final week of the regular season. Does a healthy Joe Burrow fix that 
according to the Bengals, need to specifically think about those six games against Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland as they build their roster in the offseason. Yeah, as we said before, I think a healthy Joe Burrow makes you puts you at every single game, you know, and it, it certainly changes the outcome of of several games relative to a, a Jake Browning. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think that there's I don't think it exposed anything about Cincinnati this year, other than the fact that they didn't have Joe Burrow for a lot of the season, and they weren't as good as they've been in previous years. And, and that division was really good this year. I mean, the Browns had the best defense in the NFL for most of the year. The Ravens look like the best team in the AFC and Pittsburgh were, were what Pittsburgh usually is, which is good enough to win, you know, nine games, scrape over that um, 500 mark for Mike Tomlin's re uh, record that he never loses. Um, so it's a tough place. I mean, there's a reason all four teams in that division had a winning record. It's harder to get wins in that division than it would have been if you were playing in the NFC South, for example. Final question for Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus, and I appreciate your time. We've reached the second round of the playoffs. Who you got? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's interesting. Now we get the first, the number one seeds entering the equation, and the, you know the line, the point spread has them both as big favorites. I, I think sometimes we tend to forget, based off the wild card week, that actually the best teams are sitting at home watching this and ready to to enter the fray with with a week of rest behind them. Um, but Houston were fantastic a week ago against Cleveland, uh, Green Bay, the same thing against Dallas. So I think both those games are live, but the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. The Ravens probably are the best team in the AFC. So it's still the most likely Super Bowl, I think. And if that is the Super Bowl, which of the two do you like? I think everyone will be going for Baltimore because of the way the last game went. I think that game was kind of, I don't want to say fluky, but the way that it went against San Francisco doesn't happen, you know, very often. Everything bounced against them. I would actually, I would back the 49ers in that scenario. Sam, appreciate your time as always. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Before we wrap things up, how about an edition of Storytime with Dan? Last week, insanely cold weather for playoff games in Kansas City and Buffalo brought back memories of the coldest playoff game of them all, the 1982 Freezer Bowl at Riverfront Stadium, where the temperature hit minus 9 and the wind chill reached minus 59. The end result was good, as the Bengals beat the Chargers to earn a trip to their first Super Bowl, but the conditions were miserable for everybody involved, with one possible exception the weather forecasters who get very excited when it's nasty outside. I wrote a commercial about that once, and you're about to hear it on Storytime with Dan. Remember Bud Light's Real Men of Genius commercials? For several years, the mock salutes were the funniest thing on the radio. There were tributes to Mr. Giant Foam Finger Maker and Mr. Bowling Shoe Giver Outer, and, well, just listen. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Tiny Thong Bikini Wearer. Mr. Tiny Thong Bikini Wearer. Beachgoers the world over see you coming and say, Hey, check out the woolly mammoth in the rubber band. A giant woolly mammoth. Defying the natural laws of physics, you managed to squeeze a 46-inch waist into a 30-inch suit. Tight, tight, tiny, tight. 
Like ground meat crammed into a sausage skin, you take to the beach and proudly strut your stuff. Yeah! If you've got it, flaunt it. That's your motto, which is ironic, because you haven't got it. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, sweet cheeks, and know that if you weren't wearing that suit, we'd ask you to take a bow. Mr. Tiny the real men and women of genius were the writers of those commercials, along with the two voices you hear on every one of them. The deep voice narrator is an actor named Pete Stacker, and the singer is Dave Bickler, the lead singer of the band Survivor, best known for the hit Eye of the Tiger. So what does all of this have to do with me? Here's the story. Many years ago, when I was still a sports anchor at Fox 19, I learned that those two guys were going to be doing some recording at a studio in Cincinnati. So I contacted the advertising agency that did the campaign and told them I was interested in doing a story about the real Men of Genius commercials and the two guys that we hear but never see. The advertising agency set up interviews with Pete and Dave, and the story turned out great. But I also asked them for a favor. I figured it would be fun to write a couple of those ads about the TV news business, and I asked if they would be willing to record them. They said yes, and you're about to hear the result. Here's my Real Men of Genius tribute to meteorologists everywhere. Bud Light presents Fox 19 Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Excited About Storms Weatherman. Mr. Excited About Storms Weatherman. While normal people hate snow, sleet, and heavy rain, you act like it's your birthday. How can I thank you? For on those nights, a one-hour newscast becomes all weather all the time. And most of us don't even know what barometric pressure is. Cumulonimbus what? And for all we know, there's no such thing as Doppler radar. Or Doppler 19,000. So crack open an ice cold Bud Light, Mr. Meteorologist. But remember, even when the weather's lousy, you don't care. You're bone dry in a room with no windows. Mr. Excited About Storms Weatherman. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. That concludes Storytime with Dan and this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.